Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us. This is episode 184. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, July 31st, 2022 at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Central time. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm your host, Terry Plucknett. Joining me, we've got Todd. We've got Zach. Guys, I don't know if you realize this, but I think it was like almost a year ago, like today or tomorrow, we were all sitting in the room that I'm currently sitting in revealing our top 100 lists. I, I think we've established that. that Zach does not remember that day. No, I don't remember it. <laughs> There's a lot of bourbon and supposedly chicken. Supposedly, yes. yeah. That's the <laughs> urban myth. But I was actually looking at Todd's uh, prop bets the other day, which I still have on my phone. First of all, <laughs> he had like plus 500 for Terry going when Mr. Smith goes to Washington as his number one. I would have put mad money on that, even though it was a losing bet. And I think he had the over-under at like, was it six and a half hours? Somewhere around there. That was Something. that was the easiest bet, was obviously the over. But uh, yes, that was almost exactly a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing how our world has changed. Do you still, I, feel, do you still feel as though The Avengers is a top 100 movie, Terry? Yes. I actually have the prop that's sitting right next to me right here. I, I have. Oh, well, they have to be framed. They should, yeah. they should go. They should. Yeah. This is, this is something that should go in the hall of fame. It, very. And it about the condition I would have expected that. Beautiful. <laughs> I think <laughs> somewhere around here, I watch. still have, I, I think somewhere around here, I still have Zach's handwritten top a hundred list oh. that he oh, left I thought, in, in the room. I thought you were going to say somewhere around here. I still have the chicken. I was going to say, well, that's, <laughs> That's probably not good. And the cheese wheels. Not going to lie. There are still a couple of cheese wheels left in them. Oh, <laughs> I need to saw some. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Also, we are we are just about at, I don't know exactly when it was, but we are pretty much right at the uh, five-year anniversary of the podcast. We got to be there close go. to an anniversary of the website too, right? Yeah, what? What's it going to be? Fourteen. 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 Fourteen years. It was August, I think. Yeah. Five year anniversary of the podcast. We're coming up on two hundred. We are coming up on two hundred. It's yeah. it's a time for milestones. It really is. Well, uh, Zach, uh, the one who actually it's uh, it's five o'clock for. Uh, what are you drinking? Yeah, it's five o'clock here, not somewhere here. I'm drinking some. Uh, this is not Merlot. I was about. It's actually Pinot Noir from Italy. Now Miles says that one of the best things about Vicky was that she could actually, she could even do uh, understand Italian wines. And I, I'm I'm gradually getting into Italian wines because they're on sale this week at Cork and Barrel. And uh, this Pinot Noir is is pretty pretty good. I gotta say. Very good, very good. Cork and barrel. That sounds like something that would be in vengeance. That's my that's my version of Terry's uh whatever he goes to. Uh it's practically brewery. my second office. Brewery, that's it. Well, what I can't remember the name of the brewery that you go to. What's Ridge Walker. Ridge Walker. I have cork and barrel. 
Terry has Rich Walker and Todd has 7-Eleven. Yeah, it's not 7-Eleven. Well, Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking actually Italian wine too. It's a Chianti. It's the Toscana Sangiovese from Campo El Moro, and it's actually really tasty. Uh, I haven't ever ever had like a proper Chianti, so this is this is good. Hannibal Lecter would be proud. Todd Todd's gone all wine. I mean, when was the last time you had something hard on the podcast, Todd? I don't know. It's probably been like a month. Yeah. Todd is class. Todd is classing this podcast. Is that what you say? He's classing it up. That's not. That's not right. I think. It? I think it. It is. It is like the uh, the least classy way to say that you're being classy. But yes, I think that's how you say it. I like it. Maybe I'm I'll wear a collar. I guess so. That, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm guessing that's because that's the uh, the the lightest weight shirt in the house because it's yeah really warm. Pretty much, and it also does have alcoholic beverages on the shirt. So. Oh, that helps too. Well, yeah. So I w- did go to the brewery today, and uh, it's been it's been way too warm for uh, for something heavy. So I've been getting uh, their hard ciders. So this is the Aries Blueberry Hard Cider. So it's a it's a blueberry lemon hard cider. It's really good. It's really good. It looks like wine. So you can go with that. All right. Good. Well, uh, we we did take a week off from the main podcast last week. We had a lot of stuff going on. Zach was leaving town. Todd was coming back into town. There was a whole bunch going on. However, we did have uh, a daily notes where uh, where Adam and I geeked out about Comic-Con and the Seattle Mariners for two hours. Uh, and we had the start of the uh, the new season of the Almost Sideways Sideshow where we're uh, going through episode by episode of season one of Barry. Uh, Zach, have you seen Barry? I have not. It's been oh. recommended many times. So you should watch along with us. It's a half hour. All right, week, I will, I will and then you listen it. to the half hour podcast. It's really it, it. Yeah, it, it, it's committing the an real, hour of your life. The real question. Uh, it, it, does he do his impression of Alan Alda at any point on the show? I, that's a oh, you know, I don't know yet. I haven't. Mm. I've I've seen that the would first make season. Me watch once. it quite a bit. That would make it really make me really want to watch it. Are there any famous berries he could do an impersonation of like Barry White? Le- Barry Levinson. <laughs> Barry, Barry Levinson. Barry Obama. Barry Pepper. Barry Pe- there we go. Now we're talking. Let's get Barry Pepper on Barry. We're trying to resurrect his career here. I like uh, it. I like it. Well, uh, let's get into what we've been watching. And I mean, it's been a couple weeks. So, Zach, you're first. What have you been watching? Well, it's been a couple weeks, so therefore I think it's okay that I mentioned two movies, right? So sure. the first, okay, there we go. So the first movie I'm going to mention is, well, I'll, I'll mention a movie that just came out and a movie that's a little bit older. I'll start with the movie that uh, was a little bit older. And this is a movie that came out, I think, in 2018. It is a Chinese movie, and it's regarded as one of the great masterpieces of the 21st century. It is a movie called An Elephant Sitting Still. And it is directed by, who's the director here? Hubo. And uh, it was Hubo's first and last movie because, sadly, he committed suicide after the making of this movie, in part because there was some friction behind the scenes about the running length. And this is a four-hour movie. Uh, But I think it's worth every single second of its running length. It completely deserves it. It tells the story of the uh, basically kind of like the Decalogue, these people in this uh, high-rise apartment in this very depressed 
part of Northwest China. It's almost on the border of Russia. And it sort of uh, shows a day in the life of these people as they have very tra- sad, sort of tragic, pathetic circumstances. For example, there's a character whose brother is killed relatively early in the movie. And so he has to come and avenge his brother's death. And he doesn't really care about his brother dying. In fact, he's more upset that there was another character that maybe died on his behalf. And there's some um, real, you know, there's an elderly man whose family is trying to force him into retirement community. Like the Decalogue, these characters all kind of intersect. Um, I think this is, I agree with the critics. This is an incredible movie. It's incredibly depressing. There are really long takes. You know, you look at the DVD cover and there's a quote by Bella Tarr on it, and that should say everything you need to know about the movie. But I, I just, uh, an incredible look at, um, again, a, a sort of estrangement, existential crisis, characters that really are alienated from one another. And in other words, a total Zach movie. And I do see Todd nodding. I see that he's also seen this movie too and is, is a fan of it. Uh, Todd, what are your thoughts on this movie and when did you see it? I mean, I saw it more around when it came out, but yeah, I, I, I was really taken by it. I mean, and, and for a four hour, pretty drawn out movie, it, it is, uh, it does, uh, it does play pretty well. Yeah, it's funny because like you think, you know, slow cinema, Bellatar, four hours, it would be boring. And yet this movie moved faster than a lot of uh, two hour or hour and 45 minute movies that I've seen in theaters the last few weeks or months. Uh, it's a four star movie. I, I agree. I think it's it's one of the best movies of, of this century. I, I, I currently have it number four of, of 2018 on my list. And Hubo, it's it's tragic because I think he, he would have been a truly uh, significant and important international filmmaker. And it is a depressing movie. It is a slow movie, a long movie, but it's worth every second. And again, the four hours actually kind of flew by, strangely enough. So uh, you definitely I think that keep... means that uh, this week you need to uh, send me an updated top 10 of 2018. I, th- I think that is that is definitely uh, in order. Um, the other it's movie officially twenty nineteen, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly when it is. It's a movie. I mean, it had an international release, and uh, who knows what to do with that sort of stuff. But uh, anyway, twenty nineteen is loaded. Okay, twenty eighteen needs some good flicks, and this is definitely a a good flick. Uh, the the movie that's more recent that I saw, I actually just saw it yesterday, and it's a movie that I believe Terry has seen so he can echo my sentiments because I think we're agreed on it, is the new documentary uh, Fire of Love. Oh, yeah. Which is a fantastic documentary about a uh, couple. Uh, oh, shit. I, sh- I should have brought their name. They're from France. Their names are Katia. And what was the guy's name? Oh, what was his name? Uh, Ma- uh, Maurice. Maurice. Maurice yeah. and Katia Croft. And they are volcanologists, but they are also lovers and they devote their lives to traveling around the world, seeing volcanoes. And uh, their story is crap. It's, it's an interesting documentary. It's, it's really comprised of archival footage. It's a little like Summer of Soul. It, there's nothing new. There's no cutaways to interviews or anything like that. Um, it's really their footage that they got on, on 60 millimeter film that they shot to kind of show their journeys on these uh, volcanoes, which take them all around the world. They go to uh, Zaire. They go to Italy. They go to Mount St. Helens in 1980. Um, the movie's kind of sh- told in this kind of abstract, almost quasi-philosophical way, which at first I kind of thought, well, you know, does that get in the way of the veracity of the story? I mean, a lot of it is speculative, but it's exactly who these people were. I think it captures their kind of poetic spirit. And I think Saradosa, the director, d- does a really good job of kind of using both 
firsthand uh, journal accounts, and then some really cool narration by Miranda July. I think this is, I, I, it might be the best documentary I've seen this year. I think it actually I do have it ranked as the highest. I give it a solid three and a half stars. And it's, it's a really engaging, thrilling movie. And for those people on this podcast who hate Werner Herzog, it's like a Werner Herzog documentary not directed by Werner Herzog. So, so you got that going for you, yeah, which is I, nice. Which is nice. Uh, as I was watching it, that I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this is this is Grizzly Man for volcanoes. It, it's yes. kind of what it feels like. Um, but and it's it's great. I mean, when they start out the movie by saying this is footage of of these two people and this was the last day they were alive, um, that you you get you know what's coming and what's uh, what's on its way. The visuals in this movie are just stunning. And the stuff that they did and were able to capture on in photos and on film is insane. And and uh, it, it's it's a beautiful movie. I was I was kind of opposite you on the on the narration. I thought uh, at the start, I'm like, OK, this is kind of interesting. It's giving some interesting context to what's going on. And by the end of it, I'm like, can, can you just stop and let us just watch what's going on? Um, that which is the one thing that's holding it back from being like an all-time great like four-star documentary for me. But I've got a three and a half also. I do have a very interesting story about when I went to see this movie though. So I I saw this last weekend. I do a double feature every week. Um, so I, I I went to go see this was the second part two of my double feature. I saw Nope first, and then I saw Fire of Love. And so I I see Nope. I, I come, I, I, it's a, one of those theaters where it's like split in half. And so you've got to check in on like, if what one of my movies was on one side, one was on the other. So I had to check in on the other side to go to my next, my next screening. And I'm, I'm walking to the, to the other side to go in. And the guy there cards me to see a PG documentary. He carded <laughs> nice. me. And, and the best part is he didn't know how to read the ID. Like, he's like, he's like, can I see your ID? I'm like, you, my ID? He goes, yeah, I need to see your ID. Like, okay. And so I pull it out. And he goes, all right, where on there does it say how old you are? And I'm, I'm like, um, it doesn't. It gives my birth date. And you got to do some math. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, uh, oh, okay, fine. And he, and he lets, I'm like, what? And, and the, the rest of the night, like, it was distracting me as I watched the movie. I was just, what the hell just happened? <laughs> you gotta love legalized marijuana. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, you know, the movie tries to make this kind of Kubrickian um, overlap between fascination with volcanoes and sex. Like, it's very clear this couple had sex on a volcano at some point. Actually, that's what I wish the movie could have gone into a little bit more, is their erotic sort of travels with, you know, molten lava spewing out, emitting out from the earth. It is very erotic. Uh, and so I can see why they would want you carded. Uh, it's, it's, you know, for, years, for your eyes only sort of shit. But Apparently. Apparently. I mean, listen, the other comment I kind of had, Terry, is, okay, Tell me this movie wouldn't have made an interesting Wes Anderson movie with Bill Murray and Angelica Houston as the two main characters. <laughs> you can see a little bit, right? Like this is a total Wes Anderson movie in a weird, perverted kind of way. 
they do feel like Wes Anderson characters a little bit. And like Jason Schwartzman would be like their assistant who films them maybe or something like that. Well, like the scene where they're, they're like in the full like metal suit to go near and yeah. they just start chucking rocks at the guy's exactly. head. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or when they're trying to go like down the stream of the lava. Like that's 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 Wes Anderson. That's or, I thought yeah. of Wes Anderson more than Werner Herzog. The the uh the raft trip out on the right. the uh the lake of sulfuric acid. Right, right. And then like yeah. stranded there for three hours. I think that would be the animated sequence, maybe, in, in the West. It would be, version. it would be, it would be. But, Todd doesn't know what quick, we're talking about. But quick see cut the movie, scenes of, of exactly what they had on the boat with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Todd, you're next. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched the new movie on Hulu. It's called Not Okay, uh, directed by Quinn Shepard. Oh, my wife watched this. And uh, she's, uh, this director, Quinn Shepard, she's an actress. She's 27. This is actually her second movie. She made this movie called Blame a few years ago, and she's really talented. But here she gets Zoe Deutsch to play basically her character. Her name's Danny. She's a writer at a magazine, and she wants... uh, She wants to get the attention of this social media influencer played by Dylan O'Brien. So she fakes a story that she went on some retreat in Paris only to find out that there was actually a terrorist attack that happened while she said she was there. So she has to sort of expand her lie and deal with the consequences and this newfound sort of fame of being a survivor celebrity, but also deal with like being part of the groups of people that actually went through that trauma. And one of those is Rowan played by Mia Isaac. She's like a high schooler fighting for change. And uh, she also has to dodge the efforts of one of her coworkers who knows that there's something up. Uh, and something doesn't add up about her story, which is played by her collaborator on her first movie, Nadia Alexander. Uh, the movie starts with a war- warning card that almost made me turn it off before the opening credits. It says, this film contains flashing lights, trauma, and an unlikable female protagonist. Viewer discretion advised. <laughs> like, what the hell are we even doing? I really almost turned it off. That's like the stupidest, most sexist thing I've ever seen. But it is absolutely 2022, The, the this movie. It's, uh, it's pretty unique. And thought provoking. Danny is like kind of awesome. She has like the voice of like the sane people in the world, anti cancel, anti bullshit, really. She's unlikable, but I kind of loved her because of that. She does everything wrong, but it's with a purpose. It's sort of in that way, it's more like 13 Reasons Why than it is like the worst person in the world. It it takes like what we know about like social media and exposes the untruths and loopholes that you can that, that you can find in it. And like the people that are naysayers almost seem enlightened. It's almost like if the bling ring went all the way with its uh, agenda. Uh, Mia Isaac and Zoe Deutsch are really awesome. Like they, uh, Mia Isaac is definitely the emotional core of the movie. Dylan O'Brien's doing some Pete Davidson thing, but it kind of works. And Beth Davids is in this randomly. Um, it's um, it's unconventional and it's sort of powerful and quirky, and uh, it takes well-earned shots at like the media and like moronic social media influencers. I, I I wish it had a theatrical run because, or at least like a Sunday premiere or something, because I feel like this could have been like our generation's or this generation's Juno or something with how it treats its main character. It, it it's, it's really good. And uh, it, it's just a strictly Hulu release, which is kind of unfortunate, but I, I do really like it. And it's a three and a half star movie. Wow. Cool. Yeah. My wife really liked it too. Uh, I, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I, I did see the trailer and in watching the trailer, I had two thoughts and those thoughts were one, uh, Zoe Deutsch, uh, needs to be in a movie where uh she is sisters with caitlin dever um because they look okay. identical and the other one is uh zoe deutsch reminds me of uh somewhere between a young leslie man and a young rose Byrne. 
Yeah, she. I, I thought she looked exactly like Rose Byrne. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that was one I was. But yeah. I could see this being a, like a young Leslie Mann char character in, in movie too. So does that mean there's two Zoe Deutsch movies on your top ten list of 2022 so far? Because she was also in the outlet or outfit, excuse me, according to IMDb. A movie oh, both yeah. of you loved, but I have yet to see still. Well, this is a going to be a TV movie, so I don't know if I even include it. But if it is, it would definitely be in the top ten. You got to include it. I, I I hate doing this. You know what what's meant for what. But anyways, yeah. cool. I'm glad you liked it. I'll have to watch it. All right. Now to me, I've got two weeks worth of uh of uh, Oscar watches to catch up on. I'll try to be quick on them. What's funny is both of them got almost the exact same nomination haul, just in different years. So the one I watched two weeks ago was uh, from 30 years ago. So back to 1992, it was nominated for Best Actress and Best Original Screenplay. Is that Passion Fish? Passion Fish. Oh, yes. Nice. Passion Fish, written and directed by John Sayles, starring Mary McDonnell as as the main character who was the one that got nominated. Alfre Woodard, uh, Angela Bassett pops up, David Strathairn, uh, because why not? Uh, it was amazing. This is the same movie or same year that he was in A League of Their Own. And to see him as that straight buttoned up guy in A League of Their Own and then this this back swamp, you know, Creole in uh, in this is is really interesting. But he's not so, the, he's not he's not the mosh girl. He's the kindly southern lawyer that defends the mosh girl. Sorry, that's that's true. Haven't. It's true. <laughs> I think I think his character in Passion Fish grows up to be the, the lawyer conspiracy in where the crowd had thing at conspiracy theory. So yeah, Mary McDonald, she's a soap star who gets in a car accident and is paralyzed and is living at uh living at her old family home in uh in uh i think it's louisiana and and trying to recuperate recover get better um goes through a whole bunch of of nurses until alfrey woodard is there and she takes care of her and they kind of take care of each other in some ways um it it's a movie that as it starts out as it started out i was like what what am i doing what am i watching here it was it was super super like 90s cliche like the the montage of her going through the the nurses and some of her like struggles is almost painful to watch because it's it, she's sitting there and then she'll give a line just like this is how depressed I am and then you hear a on an electric guitar and it's like what what are we doing <laughs> it's like let's do this this guitar riff every time she gives a line and it, I, it was weird um, but. Once the, those two characters, the character of May Alice, played by Mary McDonald, and Rhonda, no, not Rhonda, Chantel, played by uh, Alfred Woodard, once they get together, they've got some really interesting chemistry, and it works really well. Uh, just to see, I, I thought it was cool to see Mary McDonald in something like this. She had been nominated a couple years before for Dances with Wolves, and to see her, I mean, this is a very polar opposite role from what she was in there. Uh, so that was good to see. I end up giving it three stars. Uh, it was right on the border of two and a half to three, but there, there's enough good stuff going on in there that I gave it three. And of uh, David Strathairn, I mean, uh, you, you got to give it for that. So, um, Zach, I saw you have an, uh, a review on the website. 
for passion fish? Oh, I'm, I'm passionate about passion fish. Uh, it may or may not be a review I wrote for Dr. Hill's Film 101 class back my <laughs> freshman year of Concordia RIP. But you did leave out the most important part, Terry, which is that it's a John Sayles movie. And yes. John Sayles, I think, was one of the great auteur directors of the 90s. I don't think his he doesn't he's not too active today, unfortunately. But I think that's the I don't remember a whole lot about the movie, except Mary McDonald's kind of she's a totally different character than her Oscar nomination the year before in Dances with mm-hmm. Wolves. I mean, she's a very sort of like cynical, world weary character who is this kind of pessimistic outlook on everything. Um, but John Sayles is what makes the what I remember making the movie the most interesting is, you know, kind of populating a sort of conventional, almost TV movie story with unique characters and cool interactions actions and, and settings so I, I i think i if i were to see it again i would probably agree with a lot of what you said yeah all right so that's passion fish so weird this oscar week- nominations though yeah Sorry. Yeah, yeah it was not, well, not the we- kind of performance you'd think oh this is oscar this is total oscar clickbait yeah well and we talked about i think a couple weeks ago that 1992 best actress was just a weak year weak and yeah. weird year yeah so um okay so now fast forward 20 years now 2012 was this week's Oscar watch. And it was also two nominations, one for acting and one for original screenplay, except this time it was best actor and original screenplay instead of best actress. Flight. Flight. You hadn't seen flight. I hadn't seen flight. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Really? By the way, this definitely would qualify for our power rankings list later on of bland movie titles. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Perfect. So, uh, so yeah, Flight is uh, is written by John Gattins and uh, and directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, I, and knowing it was written by Robert Zemeckis, you know, you're looking for the the special effects moments in it and and things like that. And I mean, the plane crash is definitely a, a Zemeckis moment. But Denzel Washington is uh, plays Whip Whitaker, a pilot who you know. He, he's basically a sully. He guides this plane in and saves most people on board in this crash landing. The problem is he was wasted on so many different things when he was flying it that now it's uh, there's a question on whether or not he's whether he's a hero or whether he's the cause. Um, and the movie kind of kind of plays into the idea that he he wasn't the cause. And he's such a functioning alcoholic that he was able to actually make this work. But uh, what I found fascinating was the the crash happens, what, a half hour in? And then the last hour and a half is really just a character study of uh, of this character of Whip Whitaker and, and seeing him interact with uh, with his lawyer, Don Cheadle, or his his drug dealer, John Goodman, uh, his uh, his the one guy who's supporting him in everything, which is uh, Bruce Greenwood. You also have um, have him interacting with this girl he finds, Kelly Riley, uh, and then different people that were a part of the the flight crew, whether it's his co-pilot Brian Garrity, or the uh, or one of the flight attendants, uh, Tamara Tooney. It's it's a it's a fascinating movie. It's a great performance by Denzel. I love that he got nominated for this. Uh, I really got into this. I would have loved it even more. If it weren't for like the last five minutes, I feel like the last five minutes goes for a little bit too much of a conventional cop out of an ending and um, and tried to go for for inspirational when it could have gone really bleak and dire 
But then again, it's a Robert Zemeckis movie, so it really wasn't going to go there, but I wish it had. As, as it is, I'm giving it three and a half stars. I was fascinated by this movie. I was fascinated by the character. It was a, a really interesting character study. And yeah, I don't know why it took me so long to see this, but yeah, flight. Well, Terry, this would have made a great deep dive. So, <laughs> so fuck you. And <laughs> maybe in five I, years, we'll, we'll come back to it. So on our website, we have Todd and Adam giving it two, and I gave it one. Now, wow. I want to explain my review for a second. I think I must have been drunk when when I saw the movie or, it, you know, trying to emulate the, the titular character. Yes, because I do go back on YouTube and watch scenes from this movie. The crash scene is an unbelievable sequence. Mm -hmm. It's one of the great, maybe the greatest plane crash sequence of, in movie history. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I actually do like his courtroom scene when he says, I'm drunk right now. That is actually great Denzel acting. But I also remember that the movie had some laughably bad dialogue and some laughably over-the-top performances, particularly Brian Garrity as the co-pilot, basically yeah. doing the same performance as he did in The Hurt Locker. The other thing <laughs> that sticks out to me in this movie is that Ebert gave it four stars and said it, it knocked him back so hard that he don't, he doesn't, he's not sure if he could ever watch it again, which I think was a little bit of an overstatement. But uh, I would totally be willing to rewatch this movie again. Whip Whitaker, top five movie stick man of all time. I mean, I, th I think he's got to enter the conversation at least. Yeah, I, that's I, Burgess fair. Meredith level. Yeah, I, I think there's there's some some strong cockmanship in his in his persona. I think this. I, I have a feeling this. Uh, I probably would have given this four stars ten years ago. Um, but watching it now, I have a little different perspective on on how this it would have been such a great conversation ten years ago. Podcasts didn't exist mm -hmm. ten years ago, obviously. No, so no, we, we just would we have been done, but on the phone for three hours. I feel like Todd and I did exchange text messages about this movie yeah. when it came out. I mean, I definitely didn't like it either. I, I mean, I, two stars is just sort of like okay, whatever. I'll give it two stars. Like, I don't know. I, I, I everything was sort of overdone with how they treated. Uh, the character and like his his alcoholism and his drug addiction like I mean it's like he does he he like uh, John Goodman it was the age of John Goodman really but it he brings, was he, yeah he just like he's like brings the drugs and like he's like half comatose and then all of a sudden he's up and he's taking a shower like immediately he's like oh yeah I'm ready to fly you know it's like oh, come on man and and plus this writer John John Gatons his best movie other than this I think is Real Steel. Like he did the Need for Speed movie, Kong Skull Island, Dreamer, Coach Carter, Hardball, Summer Catch, and Real Steel, the Power Rangers 2017 movie. And now he's got Real Steel 2 and Aladdin 2. But he's an Oscar-nominated writer. Like that 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 nomination made no sense to me. And it never... I mean, I have no problem with Denzel getting nominated. He was great, obviously. But I mean, John Gaines does not deserve to be called an Oscar nominee. You know, some movies are just... Whether you like them or you don't like them, they're just fascinating to talk about and think about and flight is definitely one of them like i could i hated the movie when i saw it i would i want to go back and rewatch it i don't know if i'd hate it again but there's so many things to talk about and that makes it more interesting and better than nine out of ten movies that come out today i wish more filmmakers had the balls of robert zemeckis and denzel washington because that was a crazy movie you know what else would have made it better is if uh if someone asked whip you know how did you land that plane and he went i was inverted yeah, he was inverted. I was going to say that. 
son of a bitch stole my line. <laughs> Looks like the movie made about $160 million worldwide. So, I mean, it was a hit, I guess. But, yeah, before I watched it, uh, the majority of the uh, of the reference I had to what it was about was um, Seth MacFarlane's sock puppet reenactment from the Oscars <laughs> telecast that year. No, nice. That was the We Saw Your Boobs year. It was the We Saw Your Boobs yeah, year. Yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Class E. All right. Well, that's what we've been watching. What, do you think he should have beat Daniel Day-Lewis? No. <laughs> okay. No. Just just so we're clear about that. No, no. He could Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> I'd fight Lincoln. Fight All right. Lincoln. Let's uh let's move on. It is now time for a featured review. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zack movie ever made. You gotta see it. Movie reviews. And uh, for our featured review, we decided we didn't want to see the DC League of Super Pets. Even though I did. Um, it was alright. It was, it oh, was you saw about, it? I did. I did. Oh, wow. It was entertaining. Didn't want to see it. I, we, right. we didn't want to as a group, but I saw it anyways. It was about exactly what you'd think it would be. It's a kid's movie. It's an animated superhero movie. It's it's entertaining. It's fun. Two and a half stars. Anyways, uh, let's talk about Vengeance. This is uh, written and directed by BJ Novak of The Office fame. I have a story. Okay. I'm in West Texas, where this family just lost their daughter to an opiate overdose. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's not someone I was close to. But you flew to Texas for it? Uh, yes. Uh, it was a girl I hooked up with a few times. Her family thought that we were more serious than I did. I've heard so much about you. I've, I've heard... Yeah. Eveline just didn't die. She was murdered. What? And the two of us are going to avenge her death. So, as, like, a personal boundary, I don't avenge deaths. But here's what I can do. I'm going to record everything that you think happened to Abilene. And we'll put it on a podcast, and we'll see where it leads. What evidence does he have that it was a murder? Nothing. And that's the story. What's this podcast about? A new American reality where people invent these conspiracies. You got deep state, pill pushers, cartels, the law. Because the truth is too hard to accept. My Prius exploded. Oh my God. What if you were driving a real car with gas and stuff? The problem isn't that these people aren't smart. The problem is that they are. How do you take your coffee? In the mouth. If you want people to open up to you, you gotta act like one of us. Who here is a diehard fan of the University of Texas? And who here is a fan of Texas Tech? What if she was murdered? This just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Looks like two pairs of prints, cowboy boots. Calling out an APB to find two men wearing cowboy boots. (laughs) (laughs) What happened to her? Why do you care so much? Why do you care so little? We're so lucky in you, Abilene. I really don't know what you saw in me. Art sees art. Texas has a full word. You can't solve something like this with a 45. It's the breakdown of society is what it is. Yes, ma'am. I think that's very wise. You're going to need a 12-gauge, a couple of ARs, no. Wesson yep. Automatic, and no. a sidearm yep. for no. safety. Exactly. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in an Uber. 
Uh, let's see here. We're going to start with Todd. Tell us all about Vengeance, what you thought. Okay, BJ Novak, the actor from Inglorious Bastards. Uh, he plays <laughs> uh, Ben, and he's a writer for The New Yorker. and the office, dude. Uh, aspiring podcaster. Uh, he gets confused by some West Texans uh, for being some beloved boyfriend of their recently deceased member of their family. So he decides he's going to travel out there out of some strange obligation that he feels. And while there, he finds out that the family doesn't believe that she actually OD'd, but that she was murdered. So he comes up with a brilliant idea to exploit the group of people by re recording everything he sees and hears for a podcast. Um, showing some sort of he was trying to show some delusion that you have in times of grief and like how taking revenge overpowers your need to move on um and things get complicated because he gets close to the family and he starts to kind of like the area and uh he starts to sort of get emotionally involved in the case um the movie starts with like this really cool vibe of I, I think it's like emulating swingers, but it's like this like really snappy Sorkin dialogue. Like ben and one of his friends are in New York and they're just like going back and forth, like in this sort of know-it-all kind of conversation, trying to be cool, but they're bringing up like t tons of like really good points about like the current state of the country and why it's divided. And um, in that way, I would, I would describe this movie overall as like timely, but also really snobby. And I that which describes the character and the movie as in general. And once it gets to Texas, it come, becomes sort of something different. It becomes a little fish out of water, exploiting uh, middle of nowhere America, sort of like Stillwater did, but maybe maybe in the same realm as that, but like better than like Hillbillyology, I guess. Um, the characters are pretty well drawn, while still being somewhat caricatures. Like uh, a few of them are really bad caricatures, but some of them are interesting. Uh, they're fun to follow, and the movie does move pretty well in the way that a good crime podcast will and because uh, the movie is told a lot through like asking questions and listening to recordings uh, it, it loses steam a little bit in the end but it still works it, it's earnest but it's also really arrogant i i like that it sort of exposes the truth of like when people are pushing your buttons and like saying things you don't want to say all you got to do is block them it the they make the comparison in the movie between uh that area that that small town and twitter and then the, the ending dramatizes that blocking somebody in the most extreme fashion you could think of. Um, uh, Ashton Kutcher is also in the movie in, in that scene. And he was doing like his best Bradley Cooper role. Uh, it's worth seeing 100%. Three stars. All right. All right. Zach, you're next. Yeah. So uh, I think it is uh, ambitious and audacious to make a movie about cultural and geographical divisions in the United States at this time. Um, so I applaud BJ Novak for doing something that I think is very shrewd and difficult to do. Um, I saw this movie with a bunch of people that I think the movie was making fun of. And at the end of the movie, one of the guys, you know, the guy stood up and was like, I want my money back. Did not, well, not, not a fan of the movie. I don't think he got most of the humor. I don't really think this movie, I think this movie is probably more of a movie that's for a blue state audience, if I were to guess. Um, I uh, pretty much agree with a lot of what Todd said. I think the writing is pretty sharp in this movie, for the most part. Um, the, the story is interesting. I guess it goes in some unexpected directions, although not really. I sort of could see where, what was what ultimately sort of happens to the dead girl, the dead white girl, like the podcast name, uh, you kind of see, you kind of know the characters involved. It's not, it's not too much of a, a difficult guess. When I walked out of this movie, I was prepared to give it three stars, but I think the more I'm thinking about it, the thing that bothered me about the movie 
I'm giving it two and a half stars. The thing that bothers me about the movie is it's fundamentally navel gazing. It's about it's a guy who's preoccupied with making profound proclamations about the state of the United States and the divisions that we have and everything he says he thinks is amazing and profound. He, there's even a, a soliloquy about the Texas sunset. He says, just looks amazing. Right. Um, I don't think they're necessary. I don't think they're the, the statements in the movie are that profound. I don't really care about his self realization. The movie is kind of glib at times. Like I said, the story is good, but I think sometimes the dialogue gets in the way of itself. It kind of sees the forest for the trees. I thought a lot about other movies watching this movie that, that tried to do something similar but did a better job. Uh, Junebug, of course, is probably the class uh, of it because Junebug is also about divisions between blue and red states. But it doesn't have a character who tries to state these grandiose uh, generalizations and statements to, to sound profound. <clears throat> And you look at the last five minutes of this movie, and in particular, the last shot, and I just kind of thought, what did I just watch? Was it really just about a redemption arc of this annoying, arrogant, smug New York character who, you know, sticks his nose at all these Texas people and but has a moral rehabilitation? I thought this movie was trying to say something deeper, more profound. I mean, there's a really cool speech at the beginning of the movie when when B.J. Novak actually pitches his concept to Issa Rae, and I'm like, yeah, that's actually pretty interesting. I think the movie's a little too aware of itself. It's a little too aware of who it's talking to. I think Issa Rae is wasted. I think she's great. I think the 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 dead, the, the girl herself is more interesting than B.J. Novak. Maybe that's the point. And I just little things don't add up. For example, there's supposed to be dumb people that can't articulate why they like Whataburger so much. And yet there's a character who goes into a speech about the Chekhov plays that she's read. I mean, it, it's like the movie loves setting the characters up as, as dim-witted and then suddenly showing you a way that they're not dim-witted. And to me, that just felt, again, almost like, I, I hate to say it, almost like a first-time screenplay. I wish the movie had had, had a little bit more... Um, I guess, nuance with its characters. I liked Ashton Kutcher in the movie. Um, I didn't like B.J. Novak in the movie. And I, I wish that the movie had, had been more about what his pitch was about and less his own self-realization. So while I give props to the movie being ambitious and trying something and actually trying to say something that's very difficult and hard to articulate, I couldn't quite get there with the movie. So I give it a reluctant two and a half stars. But you're saying that you you think the character should have been more caricatures if you're saying that you don't think they should have been painted as dumb but also being competent. No, I don't. I think they were caricatures. I, I wish I wish the movie had had more nuance with them is, is what I'm saying. It, except I, I guess what you're saying is that like sometimes they surprise you, but it felt like those were telegrammed by the screenplay. It didn't feel very organic, as, as I guess what I'm saying. All right. Um yeah, I loved this movie. Uh, I, 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 all the things that you guys liked about it, I, I loved about it. And where Zach, where you're saying it was, uh, it was trying to say one thing, but it ended up saying something else. I think that's kind of the point. And in the process, it did say something about what it was trying to say. I mean, I, I think it, it, it kind of ended up playing, coming back on itself and saying saying exactly what I was trying to say, just in a different way. The, I think the movie had a, amazing twists and turns in it. Um, I think you're, you're kind of in the seat of BJ Novak. I don't think it's, it ends up kind of being about him in some way, but at the same time, you're kind of just observing the world around him in a similar way. 
I do agree with what you said, Zach, that this is probably much more of a, a blue state type of type of movie. Um, I don't think necessarily they're caricatures at all. I think they're they're simple, um, which is I think is is probably a, a more true. I think the fact that that he he finds them endearing and, and finds them uh, charming and uh, can relate to them is showing that they're not just caricatures of what it could be. Uh, I, I love this movie. I couldn't shake it over. The, I saw Friday night. I couldn't shake it over the last couple of days. I've been trying to been trying to un, to figure out what I think of the ending because I'm not 100% sold on the ending. I don't think I'm not sure, but I four stars. I'm wow. get, I'd say this is a four star movie. This is this is uh, it felt smart in how um, in how almost like it, it it took this guy and and cut him down a few notches. I I don't know. I, I was entertained start to finish. I couldn't shake it. it it's just a fascinating movie about now but yet still kind of feels timeless in some way. Uh, it, it's speaking to the, the era of podcasting and exactly what we're doing here. And, uh, and, and the, the people who are trying to find, find their voice through, uh, through being through what people, other people think of them. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I just thought the themes it was going for, and it was like swinging. He was swinging for the fences, but it ended up being such a simple story at the same time. I don't know. It, it it's just the 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 complexity of it all is just. I loved it, and it it's still throwing through my rolling through my head, and I'm still processing it. But yeah, I, I'm I'm at four stars with this one. Nice. Well, I think the the arc of the movie it, it's it's told like it wants to be a podcast, which is basically like it wants to be a documentary, and all great there are great documentaries that we love on this podcast. Like they all start as something and become something different. And mm -hmm. I think this story does that in the way that a documentary would. So if it was a documentary, I think Zach would give it four stars, but the fact that <laughs> it's not, he says it's one-on-one screenwriting. So I don't know. No, no, I, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I, what I'm saying is that I think sometimes the, the movie indulges in broad stereotypes. I actually think, I, I, like I'm saying, I, I was on board with the story for the most part. It was, it was interesting, a little predictable is what I said. I think, okay, so I, I'm getting hung up in a couple of places. First of all, there was a movie earlier this year that I thought did something also kind of similar in showing the divide in this country. And I think, I think it did a better job. And that movie was Dog, okay, with Channing Tatum. And I thought Dog was a movie that I think played to everybody. It didn't kind of play up this smug kind of blue state attitude that, again, this movie is not condoning in any way. But I, I felt I felt like Dog, Dog was a more organic look at, at cultural interactions. I also thought about John Sayles, quite honestly. I mean, I know Terry just mentioned Passion Fish. And I think John Sayles and Phil Morrison and Robert Altman, they're directors who would who would just stand back a little bit. We don't need this constant uh, narration. And I get what Todd's saying, that it's like a podcast and there's some appeal in that. But I wish the movie would have just let it breathe a little bit. We don't need we don't need these gimmicks about, oh, how is he going to do the podcast? How is he going to do this and that? Let's just let's just have him interact with the people and not have the over the top broadness. And I don't know. Plus. Come on. The way that he got that tel that cell phone passcode was really bad. Really bad. I, yeah, but I, it's not... Yeah, I almost wish it, it had ended before that. 
Yeah, in a way, I, I kind of understand that because, like I said, I think the, my biggest problem with the movie is the resolution. And even, Terry, you said in your four-star review that you're kind of perplexed by it. I am, too. I'm kind of like, what just happened? Like, is this like, you know, he's trying, BJ Novak's trying to make like a 60s sort of existential movie? Is this like the end of Easy Rider or something? Like, what's what's he trying to say? I, and, and I don't think it's necessary in a movie like this where... You know, I, I get the that the ambitions are bold, but they should be about the characters and not the internal, you know, sort of self-realization. I don't know. But if you're doing it like without the whole podcast thing, without the that frame, then it's just going to be like Stillwater was, and it's going to be some ridiculous thing about one guy trying to solve a crime that he's well, never going to solve. I gave Stillwater four stars and called it my number three movie of the year last year. So maybe it is a personal sort of, you know, taste thing. But, so you would rather have him like this guy who has no business being there trying to solve a murder by himself, like in, in this place he's never been. Like, I mean, you'd rather that have been the story without, without would, having him trying to make a make something out of it, like using his actual job. I wish that what Stillwater did that this movie didn't do as well was the interactions between characters from diametrically opposed positions. And this movie, again, I give it props for having ambition and trying to do it. It just didn't feel organic. It felt like a screenplay. Whereas Stillwater to me, and again, it's personal. It's just the way that I, I saw it felt a lot more lived in. It felt a lot more realistic. The characters saying really what was on their minds, but I don't know. I, I think this movie was close. I agree with a lot. Of, I probably agree with you guys probably more than you realize. I just I just couldn't quite get there, and, and mostly because of the resolution. Yeah, it's entertaining it, though. I mean, it, it's it's a good movie. It's short, to the point. It's not a sequel. It's not a franchise. I didn't think it was particularly well shot. I don't know why it couldn't have been a Netflix movie, but you know. And and yeah, I'm still trying to figure figure out what to do with the ending too, and. I guess when it came down to it, I don't know. It's just, it, it felt like it needed to, he felt like he needed to give it a resolution when it didn't necessarily need it. Uh, I, I I don't know. At, at the same time, the re I felt the rest of the movie was so entertaining and so interesting. I'm, uh, I mean, he's trying to exploit all these people and in the process exploits himself instead um while still kind of exploiting them and still completing the task he was there to do i i don't know it, it just it felt like there were just so many layers to it i just loved it yeah and i also gotta i gotta add i've had whataburger and it's gross <laughs> i'm with all due apologies to texas tech quarterback patrick mahomes but it's like it's not good I don't know. Have you guys ever been to Texas? I've been there several times, and I feel like Texans watching this movie have a right to be disrespected. I, I felt like this movie didn't, didn't quite didn't quite get the Texas attitude, which I don't I've, know. I've been through the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. That's about it. There we go. Well, you lived with Fair. someone from Texas for a while, right? Yes. Yes, <laughs> I did. From Dallas. That's but, right. Uh, well, the Dallas is it's another country. That's a, true. A <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, watch, uh, watch Bernie if you want a good, good look, good comic look at Texans that might have even been over the top, but was made with a lot more love and authenticity. So I'm giving this four stars. Todd's giving it three. Zach's giving it two and a half. I think all three of us, though, could say this is a movie that's worth seeing, especially a small time movie like this in the theaters 
Um, it's not playing in every theater, but it's worth finding. And and I mean, even Zach's giving it a thumbs down, but he's giving it a very conflicted thumbs down at the same time. So. Yeah, it's it's weird. I would I would tell people to see it, and it's inter- That's why I gave it. I was originally at three stars when I walked out of the theater, but the more I thought about it, and maybe you shouldn't overthink this sort of stuff. I just thought, uh, I I couldn't quite get there. But it is an interesting movie to think about and process. And I think B.J. Novak should be commended for doing something that's challenging. Make it three stars, man. Make it three no, stars. No, I'm not going to make it. You three realize stars. we haven't had anything price approved since Top Gun Maverick. I know. Hey, if Todd sees <laughs> Fire of Love, we will be thrice approved. There's no there way we he's go. that shit. Werner Herzog is not in it, so he's giving it thumbs up. Well, I like Marcel the Shell, too, so there. There oh, we go. Hey, there we're we all, go. We're, all, we're thrice approved on that. There we go. All right. It, it, yeah, that's one that's undeniably likable. But anyways. Uh, I didn't like it as much. But. Yeah, but, but you still gave it three stars. Vengeance. I was, I was afraid of the wrath I get on this <laughs> podcast if I gave it thumbs down. Vengeance is in theaters now uh go find it uh it's worth the watch if nothing else than for the conversation moving on uh it is our spotlight segment and for that we are going to do a mount rushmore spotlight and this mount rushmore is uh in honor of some recent passings in the hollywood industry especially guys who are known for playing um like legendary mobsters and gangsters in film. Uh, over the last few months, we've lost Ray Liotta. We've lost James Caan. Uh, the last few weeks, we lost, um, uh, is it, was it Paul Sirico? Is that it? The guy from, from Sopranos? Yeah. Paulie, yep. Yeah, and then and then Paul Sorvino. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we, I mean, the, these are guys who are known for being in all these, uh, in, in all these, mobster gangster movies there and so my my favorite tweet i saw about about it is they showed the four pictures of them and said after paul servino died and said these guys are going to eat well tonight um and i thought that was a really cool tweet but we're gonna do a uh, a mount rushmore of the greatest supporting mob characters of all time before we got on this i was telling todd that uh i i, I hate this mount rushmore because i feel like it should be a uh uh, a power ranking like there's too many to just to just narrow it down to the greatest but that that's kind of the greatness of it too is is uh coming up with the all-time best okay i'm gonna go first uh and my pick my submission i am going uh with fredo from the godfather and the godfather part two mm. uh played by john Cazale. uh there i mean there's got to be someone from The Godfather on this. Uh, there are many, many, many characters you could go with from The Godfather, but I find Fredo possibly the most interesting of all the characters in The Godfather because he's the worst mobster. <laughs> he is, he is, but he's one of the most interesting characters. I guess this is supporting mob characters. It's not, it's not the best supporting mobsters. Sure. Um, I, I mean the the fact that he he tries to look out for himself and doesn't quite know how to do it. He doesn't know quite how to handle how to working with the family. He's it's a fascinating character and it's uh, and only John Cazale can pull it off. And so, yeah, Fredo, the Godfather, that's my submission. It's great. Great uh, supporting mob character. Mm-hmm. All right. I like it. Let's go to we're going to go to Zach next. OK, so I had a real hard time with this list 
because normally I spend, you know, five minutes on a Mount Rushmore. This made me take like six minutes on a Mount Rushmore. I don't know what, what a supporting mob character is, okay? So I can't pick Tony Soprano. I can't pick uh, Michael Corleone. I can't pick a main person. But what does supporting mean? I mean, I like these little characters that do nothing. So I, I don't know. Like, what, what, you know, Frankie two times from Goodfellas. Could I pick him? Like, you know, read the papers, read the papers. I don't know. Anyway, um, I thought about what what makes a good mob character is someone who is an enforcer, someone who is uh, intimidating, but also curiously interesting and maybe has a level of depth to them. Um, Polly Gultieri has to be on the list, but I, he just, he I don't know. It's almost too easy. And. I don't really think he's that intimidating. Like, I mean, he he'll, he'll beat someone up, but he's so quirky and weird that I think that gets in the way of, of the intimidation factor. Um, I'm going to go with a character that we love talking about on the deep dive of this movie, and that is Ray Winstone as Mr. French in The Departed. Okay, here's a guy yeah. who is intimidating. He's a perfect mobster, but he's loyal. That is the that's the key element of the supporting mobster. You can't be someone who wants to set out on your own, okay? Getting eyes bigger than your head. Could I do what you do, Frank? I could do what you do, as as Leo says in the movie. But Mr. French could not do what Frank does in the movie, and uh, he does talk about Frank's sick, twisted sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, it's almost a guy you can beat up. You're not. Qu it's almost a guy you can't beat up, but. He is. Uh, would you like cranberry juice with that? I don't know. I love Mr. French. I love Ray Winstone. And that, to me, is the perfect mob supporting character. Someone who's intimidating, but curiously interesting and probably dies at the end. Fredo I thought both of you were going with Billy Bats. Yeah. But see, uh, Billy Bats is a loser. Fredo is a loser. Mr. French is not a loser. He's one in, a, he's one in two million. No, wait, what does he say? One in one a billion. I can't remember the line. It's a good one. Uh, that is, that's a good one. I, ha I had that one written down as well. Let me just clear something up really quick. Uh, it was, uh, his name was Tony Sirico. Tony Sirico okay. was the one. And Jimmy he, played, he played Polly, but his name was Tony Sirico. Right. Okay. I, meant, I said Polly was the name of his character. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Todd, who are you going with? I'm going with the, of course, Oscar nominated role by William Hurt, Richie Cusack, and a history of violence. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the most scene stealing like eight minute thing like he, he he just has this like aura about him he's a, he 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 totally is like the mob boss you know the philly mob boss you know it's like you you were always a problem for me joey when mom brought you home from the hospital i tried to strangle you in your crib i guess all kids try to do that you know i he's he is brilliant and he is he's a supporting character but he is the boss and i i think that's why this list is interesting because we went three really different directions. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> okay. So we've got, we've got Fredo from the Godfather. We've got Mr. French from the departed. We've got Richie Cusack from a history of violence. Who's our three nonfiction characters. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> no, wait, no, they're, three, fi they're three all fiction. Or fiction, fiction characters. Yeah. Three fictional right. characters. Okay. So, I mean, I meant not real is what I was trying know, to say. Yeah. We know that Danny Trejo would put Fredo very high up. I knew it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. As if, as if. 
sit on a throne of lies. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. We need to stop <laughs> referencing that because we all hate it. I think I keep bringing it up, so I will stop. I'll put the moratorium on it. Thank you. Um, all right. Who do we want to go? I have... I've got a couple others written down. I feel like we need to go for with someone from Goodfellas, and we could go with Paul Servino from Goodfellas. I mean, Pesci, you could say, is supporting in Goodfellas. I mean, Paul Servino, I, I thought that was going to be our non-negotiable because, I mean, it, it's the reason why I suggested the list, really. Yeah, but... I mean, when you can move slow and talk to only six people a day, that means you're OG, right? And, you know, when you don't like phone calls, Polly didn't like phone calls. Uh, I mean, he, that definitely has the enforcer quality. I think, though, if you put him on the list with William Hurt and Mr. French, it really makes Fredo look even worse, though, Terry. I got to say, I mean, you, that just looks <laughs> well, Sonny should have been on the list more like Fredo the black really. sheep than he is. I mean, Sonny would have been good to have on the list, too. But I well, think Sonny Black in, in uh, Michael Madsen's character in Donnie Brasco. I like sunny black oh. and sunny red. I, I also I also had written down uh, uh, Mr. Brown, which is uh, Quentin Tarantino from Reservoir Dogs. Mm. He's in the mob. Well, I mean, I guess they all are to yeah. some degree, except for um, Mr. Orange. And then and then uh, in honor of the uh, the almost sideshow going on, Noho Hank, of course, from Barry to the Chechen mob, <laughs> from the Chechen mob. <laughs> I... Have you ever been shot? It hurts. <laughs> I've written down uh, Max, which is James Wood's character in uh, Once Upon a Time in America, which is one of the great performances of all time. I also have Smurf from Animal Kingdom uh, for the movie and the show. Uh, Mickey Cohen, which is Harvey Cartel and Bugsy. I have uh, Armin Mueller-Stahl's character in Eastern Promises. Uh, but I think we should go with Polly Cicero. Uh, I'm good with Polly. What okay, else do you I have, Zach? I wrote down Luca Brazzi. That's that's the best one to go with from The Godfather, <laughs> to be honest. Um, Fat Tony from, from The Simpsons, the Van Buren boys from Seinfeld. Uh, a lot of characters from The Sopranos, but I think Furio deserves some recognition. In terms of intimidation and charm, uh, Johnny Friendly from On the Waterfront, Bill Buffalino from, and Russell Buffalino from The Irishman. And I'm shocked that Todd didn't mention. Now, I, I don't know if they're true gangsters, but Frankie the Enforcer, Enforcer Sakino Ju Jr., <laughs> and Harley Kiner are essentially side mobsters. They're so, greasers. It's not the mob. I think it's... I think it's uh, <laughs> if we're going to put Fredo on the list, I think they need at least some some recognition. I, I'd, like, I'd like some recognition from this board, in the words of, of Mark Zuckerberg. They actually I, do deal with the Philly mob in one, in one episode. Sean has to go like do some jobs for them, where he's like a bag man. Listen, if you're in Philadelphia, okay, who are you going with as an enforcer? Frickin' William Hurt or <laughs> Stacchino? Yes. I think the choice is clear. So, so this reminds me of a, of a tweet I saw yesterday that I have to share. That says that every 90s teen show features a club or hangout spot that looks just like a bar, but somehow caters to kids, which is at best a suspect business model. And I think Boy Meets World is one of the worst <laughs> <Absolutely>. at that. <laughs> well, I think uh, it is a bar when they like do the flashback or something to like the World of oh, the episode. Oh, you're right. It was. Then, then like, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, it was a juice bar that they mm. would go to. And then you, you had a diner in Saved by the Bell. I mean, it, it was, 
you you had something similar in every every one of them. I thought it was funny. Anyways, that that's it made me think of it. All right, we're going with Polly. So, our uh, our Mount Rushmore sporting mob characters: Fredo from The Godfather, Mister French from The Departed, Richie Cusack, A History of Violence, and Polly from Goodfellas. So, uh, R.I.P. to all those amazing actors, uh, and you'll always be remembered for the gangsters you played. Only one of those actors is still alive, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Ray Winstone? Yeah. That's yep. true. All right. Moving on. It is now time for power rankings. You can't top that. Yeah, that's the movie about the horse. I'm going to pull an audible at the last minute here. That's because I haven't seen it. Power rankings. Not including Fargo. Can't choose Fargo ever again. Todd won last time. And this is going to be a really interesting list, and I'm I'm curious to see how we how we took it. Uh, but Todd, tell us what we're doing. Uh, so uh, multiple things landed me on this category. We are doing the blandest movie titles for good movies. Uh, so I was playing this trivia game, and it took about it took about ten of us, uh, probably fifteen minutes, to remember the title of the Tom Clancy movie with Michael B. Jordan from last year. Ooh, and, that's a good one. And like without that? remorse, without remorse without is the remorse. title. We could not remember it, and I was just like, "Wow, what a terrible title!" I'm never going yeah. to remember that. That's and a great so. Was, one. And then it also was compounded by the fact that we were going to review Thirteen Lives, which I also think is a very bland title that could be anything. And that, um, and I was like, "Okay, so we're gonna we're, let's do a power rankings of this, like the blandest titles, but they have to be for movies that you don't like the shit on. So they have to be movies you give a thumbs up to. So blandest titles for good movies." And Zach wanted to give a, a re, retitling um, caveat to this. So you have to give a suggestion oh, of what right. you think the that's title right. should actually be. Okay. Okay. That, that's what we're doing. I, I, I keep we're forgetting gonna, about the, the retitling. We're going to get creative with this one. Not we're just throwing shit. Actually trying. It's like, you know, I, I feel bad shitting on BJ Novak. I don't think I could have written a script better than that. But this is an opportunity for us to give our creative contributions as podcasters, which I think his character would appreciate. That was also glib, like the movie. So carry on. <laughs> All right. Uh, Todd, you, it's your list. You get a start. Number five. Uh, so number five, I'm going with a movie that I actually love, and it was in my top 100 for at a point. And it's uh, The New World, uh, directed by Terrence Malick, which... To me, the New World sounds like it's a Discovery Channel like documentary about Jamestown, and I I I just think that that is probably why the movie was not a hit. Like, I mean, it was nominated for one Oscar. It made almost no money, even though it had like big stars in it, like Christian Bale and Colin uh, Farrell. But I don't know. I, I think the New World is just is not the right title. I'm not going to argue with anything Chris uh, Terrence Malick does, but I think that it just was wrong. I don't know what it should have been titled necessarily. Maybe add something to it like Romance in the New World because it really is sort of a romance, or like Smith versus Rolf or something like that. I think uh, could have been more more engaging than the New World. That's a good one. That's so that, one. that that's an interesting pick that I totally disagree with because. Well, the only basis of our subjectivity on this list is if we can remember the titles or not. I can remember the title of the New World. Interestingly enough, because you love the movie. Well, exactly. That's why I, this is interesting. If we're going with Terrence Malick, I can't. What was the one? A Hidden Life. That is about as bland 
That is a pretty good. Yeah, but it wasn't that good of a movie. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay. You have a, you have a point there. And then curious. I can't. I can't. I mean, he's made so many stupid movies the last ten years. Like, I and even the Ben Affleck one um, with uh, Olga Kurylenko. I, to the Wonder, which is an interesting title, wonder. but I can't remember it necessarily. I don't know if I call it bland. Anyway, all I'm saying it's is that's not unmemorable not, titles. It's just bland. It's, it's, it's not like the it's not the movie. movie I, I would pick. I, I would have gone with A Hidden Life, which you could probably describe. But I don't give that a thumbs up, so I could I had to you give that thumbs it. down. Yeah. Wow. Really? I didn't think it was a great movie, but I definitely gave it thumbs up. Okay. Interesting. All right. Moving on, I'll go next. Number five for me. So I, I noticed most of the ones I came up with uh, were very short titles. Like most of them were like one word titles, like really boring one word titles. Like that that doesn't really do anything. Uh, and most of my list is going to reflect that. So number five uh, is uh, is the animated movie Sing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty I mean, good. It's, it's a really boring title. It's bland, but it's a really cool movie. Uh, I just recently watched Sing Two for the first time, and it it it's fine, but it doesn't really recapture the magic of the first one. Uh, but yeah, if I was gonna give a, an alternate title, something like I don't know, it, they're basically trying to do like an American Idol, so like Animals Got Talent, uh, Animal Idol, I don't know, something like that. But Sing, just just Sing. Those definitely would have been a bigger seller. <laughs> like, I mean, Sing was a big hit anyway, but I mean, Animal Idol, like, yeah, that sounds like a $100 million like opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. Like See, and, and that, that's one of the things I was thinking about, too, is what are the movies that when someone says, tell me about a good movie, and you say, oh, I got one. It's called Sing. Uh, say, okay, that sounds stupid, but tell me more. I, that that That's that's kind of what I was going for, is those titles you say, it's like, okay, that sounds boring, but tell me what the movie's about. That's kind of what I was, what I'm going with. So sings my number five, Zach. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm on a wavelength with you, Terry. I, I really thought about a lot about, especially movies in the last five years, as I get older that I, I just cannot remember the title of because they're so bland. A lot of them are one word titles. I tried to stay for, away from animated movies because I feel like that's just sort of an intentional decision that Disney makes for whatever reason. Um, so I went, my number five, uh, pick is a movie from a few years ago that I, I believe Todd is also a fan of. It is a movie called the tale with, uh, Laura Dern. Uh, I don't know if Todd yeah. considers it a movie cause I think it's an HBO movie, but it, I consider it a movie. Good movie. Very interesting movie about trauma and cycles of abuse and about this woman who realizes that, or, or starts recognizing the abuse that happened at an earlier time in her life. Uh, but also about the way that she tries to not forgive, but rationalize it or understand it. And so I thought the perfect retitle of that is The Tales We Tell. That's, that's much better because then it's a tale, but it's also about the tale that you're telling about the trauma and abuse in your life. Way better than the tale, which honestly, I, I looked at my movie list and I saw the tale there and I was like, what is the tale? <laughs> and I had to look it up, which is the, pretty much the same with my other four movies on this list, too. But it's a good movie. just needed a better name. I mean, that is a terrible title. But, I mean, <laughs> so, Tales We Tell is also really close to that Sarah Pauly documentary. That's true. Stories We Tell. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it's still but, better I mean, than, the, than the tale. Yeah, the, the tale. <laughs> that, yeah, that could be anything. 
I, I didn't remember until you said Laura Dern. I was like, okay, that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's several like that, that just, again, these last five years, it's they didn't invest any time or thought in, in good titles. So I don't know. Maybe poor marketing decision or something. I don't know. Have you seen or heard of that movie, Terry? It's a good one. Nope. I, it's definitely, Terry, you'd give it, I think you'd give it four stars. If you're going to give B, the BJ Novak movie, which now I, Vengeance, I actually literally just forgot what it was called. <laughs> Uh, I think you would give the tale, or what I like to call tales we tell, uh, at least four stars. There was a Nicolas Cage movie called Vengeance: A Love Story that I, the first Cage I reviewed actually, and mm. so that's why I remember Vengeance now. I keep whenever I type in Vengeance, it comes up with the Cage movie. But, yeah. All right, Todd, number four. Number four is frustrating to me because it actually was based on a book that had a better title. It's Edge of Tomorrow. Which oh, is yes. a terrible yeah. title. Yeah. I mean, even I can't. It's honestly a movie that I love, and I can't remember the title because I'll be telling people about. It, oh yeah, what about like that? It's the Tom Cruise movie where it's like sort of like Groundhog Day or something. the The book was called All You Need Is Kill, which is a fantastic title, and I just and it's something that is just so different. And then also, it was originally titled Live but Live Die Repeat, which which is by far a better time which is way better yeah edge of tomorrow was just so it's it's like that that chris pratt movie that you guys love that i don't the tomorrow remember. war yes exactly it's, it's something i'm never going to remember edge of tomorrow is not a good title i, I, I thought like that might have been a, a a merlot but I, I guess not i like the way you took this and and how it's just like bland the, the you definitely came up with bland titles mm. uh, mine are much more just like boring titles that 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 do nothing for the for the movie. So um, yeah. that's a great call, Edge of Tomorrow. Thanks. My number four is one I it I think it's thrice approved. I know Todd and I like it. I honestly don't know if Zach's seen it. It is the uh, 2009 movie Moon. Oh, mm. it's not thrice approved. Oh, it's not thrice approved. Okay, really? But it <laughs> it is a really. I mean that that's like the most boring title possible for a fascinating movie. Um, written and directed by Duncan Jones, uh, Sam Rockwell, voice of Kevin Spacey as basically Hal. Uh, it it's a fascinating movie that has a twist to it that you really don't see coming. But it's called Moon. That's all you get. So uh, if if I it were to have an, an alternate title, I would I would. Uh, I mean, it kind of be it would kind of be a little uh, a little spoilerish, but I, it, the the main character's name is Sam, so I would say the the alternate title would be Sam's in Space. And that's that sounds why like an animated movie. That's <laughs> why it was called Moon because I don't think anyone could think of a better title than that. Yeah. See, I don't think you can just throw clones. You can't just throw <laughs> stuff out there and not come up with something better, like. I agree with you, Terry. Moon is pretty bland. I, don't, I, I guess I don't remember the movie that well, but I can't think of anything else I would have named it. See, see, you go Sam's in space, and then the apostrophe is in parentheses. Because mm. Sam is in space, but also there are multiple Sams in space. That's pretty so good. It, isn't that good? I think that's pretty good. I want to say the director of that movie is some somebody's... Something famous's son isn't David Bowie's son. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah but, I was gonna say David Bowie's son. Yeah, I, I was looking. He did the Warcraft movie after that, and he nice. no, he did he did Source <laughs> Code director. after that with Jake Gyllenhaal, um, which is another movie I love. Oh, that's a that's a great one. That should be on on someone's list. Source yeah. Code. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good title, though. It, <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds like a Mission Impossible movie, but it's it, that's a good title. I would he not also, have thought of that title. He also did it. a uh, after Warcraft, which was which no one wanted. Um, he did a straight to Netflix movie in 2018 called Mute. That might be a come to the stable that we need to do. It's with Alexander Skarsgård, Paul Rudd, Justin Theroux, and it's Duncan Jones. Hmm. He's made he's made four movies: Moon, Source Code, Warcraft, and Mute. So uh, I would I, I think we need to we need to add that to the come to the stable list. I will add it. Okay. All right, Zach, number four. Okay, so. Uh... I'm going to go with another one of my single word titles, and it's a movie that I liked, and that is from 2014, nominated. Oh, we're, and we're having a theme in my list of Laura Dern movies. That is Wild with Reese Witherspoon. Ah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, now I'm kind of upset that I'm doing the same thing as Terry. I'm, 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 I'm doing, I'm, I should pull an audible here, but I, Terry and I approached the list the exact same way. Yeah, just a bland one word title, Woman in the Wilderness. Great. Actually, Woman in the Wilderness is a better title. I, almost anything would be a better title. Uh, I think because the movie, it's based on a book and the title of the book was Wild, but it had a subtitle with it. Cheryl Strayed had like a subtitle with it. Uh, Wild is a, is a horrible title. I suggested Leave No Trace because it did come out four years before Leave No Trace. And I guess that title still could have been there. But uh, admittedly, it is a little hard to think. I'd have to watch the movie again. I don't know. She's probably. I think she reads some poetry in the movie. I know there's Paul Simon on the soundtrack. It's probably many places they could have gone instead of wild, which also sounds like a uh, Disney Pixar animated movie. Sort of. It does. It does. Like along, uh, like one of my honorable mentions is Brave. Like there we Brave, go. Wild. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a, it's in the same same, same realm. Mm-hmm. All right, Todd. No, uh, my number three is a movie. I think Terry actually hated this movie, but I love it. It was uh, Friends with Money. Uh, the Nicole oh, Hollis Center movie, yeah, um, because I don't know. So that that movie, boring. I mean, that the movie Nicole, was as boring as the title. Yeah, and there, she she has a problem with her titles, like where it's like "Please Give" and stuff like. That. I mean, I don't know. Like they none okay. of them really are that great. But "Friends with Money" is a really bland title. It's about like these uh, friends. Like some of them are poor, some of them are rich, which makes me think that the title. I mean, it can't have been this because uh, they're females, but like. Uh, uh, Adam Carolla has this like ongoing bit that he's been doing his whole career called Rich Man Poor Man, which is really funny. Like that should have been something like that should have been the title of this movie, but it couldn't have been Rich Man Poor Man because they're they're females. But something like that, like so not friends with money, because that it's not about friends with money. It's about friends that have money and don't have money, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Could have been called Money M- Money of the Friends or something. Like that's even worse. That sounds like an, an odd English translation of a foreign title. <laughs> Money de la friends. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you first said friends with money, I thought you were talking about that Mila Kunis movie where she has sex with her friend. But that was friends, friends with benefits. Friends with benefits. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, Not like... Not to be I confused really with no sure. strings attached, which came out the same There we go. The well, there, there, was, there was another movie around friends with money called Friends with Kids, or which was a John Hamm movie that... Um, another like interlocking story sort of thing. I can't remember who else was in that, but I, mean, I don't know. Those movies all sort of blend together to me. Friends with kids. Uh, who else is in that? I think it was Kristen Wiig. Mm. Oh, you guys remember. don't recall right. this one? No. Nope. Okay. You keep looking it up. I'm going to move on. Number three on my list. I'm going back to the 80s for this one. 
it, it's it's an all time favorite of mine. Big. That's a, that's a good title though. It, yeah. It's an okay title, but it's kind of boring considering what the what the movie's about. Uh, I I, lo- I love this movie, but I don't know. Big. It's. I I the the problem is I couldn't come up with a really great other title, so I'm I'm gonna go with uh, <laughs> uh I'm I'm gonna say uh, uh steal from Pee Wee's Playhouse a little bit. Your wish is granted. Long live Zoltar. <laughs> Todd liked it. <laughs> I mean, that would be a funny title. <laughs> <laughs> and people would remember that. People remember that title. I mean, it's it's just like saying old or something. It's like I know that's on my honorable mentions. <laughs> that's not a good movie. I I gave it three stars. That's right. I did. I did. All right, Zach, number three. Okay, so I could make a whole subcategory here of bland titles uh, with character names. So, like, I tried um, to stay away from names. Yeah, well, okay, I had to do one, which is that, which is a movie that I remember liking, actually liking quite a bit, and I could not remember the name of it because I couldn't remember the name of the main character. I remember the name of the actress, but not the character. It was Mary Kay Place, and the movie is called Diane. Oh, I believe yeah. Todd has seen that movie too. And uh, it's a good movie about a lady in Pennsylvania, kind of it's in this sort of, you know, opiate addicted back back road community. And, uh, you know, Mary Kay Place had some Oscar buzz for that movie. And I mean, my God, talk about a me- unmemorable title, Diane. I mean, that, that could be about anything in her life. So I think it's, I think it's a, a, a lame thing when uh, they just give up on uh, coming up with good titles and go with the main character's name. I thought of Fade Into Night. Now, I guess that's pretty bland as well, but at least it's not just the character name. I don't know. I looked at the poster and it's like she's got a candle there and it's kind of getting dark and everybody's dying in her community. I don't know. Fade Into Night sounds like a horror movie. It does. Yes. Agreed. Fade Into Night. Wait Until Dark. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. All right, Maybe Todd, this is just two. proving to us that that it is hard to think of good movie titles. Well, number two, this should have been. I mean, my number two had like so many uh, like writers on it that worked on it at different points, all different Oscar nominees and winners. It's Unbroken, the uh, movie directed by Angelina Jolie. Oh um, yeah. Like her her other movies have interesting titles too. They're it's like first they killed my father or in the land of blood and honey. And like those are like really strong, interesting titles, but unbroken, it doesn't even really work with the actual movie. The there was a subtitle to the original book called Um A World War II Story of Survival, Resilience, and Redemption. Of course, that sounds like a book, but like any of those words would have worked better than Unbroken. I, I think running for freedom sounds like a really I think that was that that that's what the movie should have been called. That sounds like a Hallmark movie, though. No, I mean, you know, it sounds more like a like a faith-based movie or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it does sound but, like a Jesus movie. But, I mean, there was a sequel that was one of those. So, I mean, there is that. But, I mean, Unbroken just doesn't work. But I, th- I think Running for Freedom... I mean, the movie was a flop anyway. So, I mean, that would have at least made it make money. It's interesting you say that because I had an Angelina Jolie movie on my honorable mentions, which was A Mighty Heart. But I, I, I couldn't say that oh. one because that was the name of the book. But that's a pretty bland title as well. True. All right. Number two on my list. I mean, it's an all-time great. 
it, it I think it's in our top 25 of all time on the website. But when you're and, and, and the name has kind of become something greater than what the name actually is. But when you think about it, the movie title Toy Story is about <laughs> as bland as you can get. <laughs> that's, that's good. I mean, it, it's literally just called Toy Story. It, 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 it deserved to be on the list. So, so what's it going to be called? Woody's Roundup? <laughs> Woody's Roundup. I, I was act, I was trying to think of a good one. Um, uh, I was thinking you stole my spot. Uh, or uh, the, so a the, quote the, from the movie, sort of the darkest. The darkest one would be play nice. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Play nice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best. That wins. Yeah, and and that be it make it be the greatest like like title reveal of all time is we see everything so play nice like you know the audience would cheer at that moment it's like there it is there's the title yeah but but I mean but then you're looking at like play nice like two <laughs> it's like then it's just like a that is a you, horror you'd movie have, franchise you'd have, to, you'd have to like <laughs> subtitle each one. Play nice to the trip to Japan or. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That works. Uh, yeah. All right. Zach, number two. All right. My number two is a tie, which I know nobody likes, but it's the same filmmaker who happened to make two very blandly titled movies. It's not Angelina Jolie. In this case, the name of the filmmaker is Anish Shaganti, who I think we've talked about in this podcast. And he made two movies. One was called run. And the other was called searching both good movies. Uh, both pandemic movies, I believe. I think Searching was right before the pandemic, but both needed some some upgrades with their titles. So what I came up with for Run was In Mother's Care. Um, you know, she's in her mother's... I don't know. I think it's better than Run. And then... Too. Yeah, okay, sure. And then uh, for Search, I like my titles for Searching a little more, which is about, again, a father who's looking for his daughter and it's all told on a, on a computer screen. Uh, missed call or turn off notifications or no notifications turned off something like that like i don't know like searching i i couldn't remember the name of it i couldn't remember the name of run either uh so anything I that movie existed apparently there's a searching two uh being made that's okay. interesting I'll, I'll take from your silence that you guys agree with me We'll go with that. We'll I think that. we all like those movies, right? I, we we reviewed Run, if you remember it, and oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the girl in the wheelchair. Thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about. You, see, you can't even remember it because that was nope. such a horrible title. Nope. That, that yeah, I should I should have written that one down because I remember seeing it as I was going through my list and I was like, Run. Oh yeah, it's that movie. Like just the fact that I had to pause for a second should have been reason to put it on the list. But. I, I it looks like I didn't give it a thumbs up, so that's probably why I didn't. Talk oh. to me. Okay. But I did like searching. I, I haven't seen searching yet. Yeah. And the other problem with these bland titles, especially the ones that Terry and I are saying, is that you try looking them up on IMDb and it takes you like five or six different searches to get to the movie because so many freaking movies have that word in it. That's what I was just about to say. My number one movie, I just tried to look it up and the <laughs> top eight on the initial pull down did not have it. Exactly. Because mm. it, yeah. 
so they're making our lives hard and exactly. the consumer how dare they todd number one my number one uh once i thought of it, it had to be it it's a movie that we all love it is the father because yeah. honestly when when i heard about this movie when it was played at sundance i was like anthony hopkins playing a character in a movie called the father i thought it was like a road trip movie or something like i mean it was just like i was i don't even really care to see that i had no idea what it was about there was no trailer of it like i could not be less interested in a movie called the father starring in like a 90 year old man but obviously it was great it, i mean it could be titled basically anything else i know that the play is called the father but it, i mean maybe it's called like leaving the flat or something like that i mean that that'd be that'd be a little bit more playful and a little bit more interesting but the father is just a it's a bad title. <laughs> Leaving the flat sounds like a quirky British comedy with Rowan Atkinson. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not bad. Or or a, a, a relative of Leon the pig farmer, maybe. But by the father, do you think it's going to be like a Spike Jones movie, basically, which is basically what it is? Like, no, you don't, because the father sounds really stupid, <laughs> like really, really bland. Well, apparently, he likes to tell because his new movie is called The Sun. So yeah, yeah. Not, another another one of his plays. Yeah, but yeah. I mean. I don't know. I disagree with that. I, I think that the title's fine. I, and I, I kind of like how nondescript it is because, like you said, you kind of go into the movie sort of expecting one thing. And then that was part of the experience for me was just being blown away by how unexpectedly great it was. Yeah, okay. I, I, I had it written down, but it didn't it didn't even make my long list of honorable mentions. So but I did write it down. My number one, it, it's a top five movie of all time for me. The poster's right above me. It's called Once. Um, okay. It's a. I, I love this movie, but it is about as. It, it's one of those movies that when I tell people it's one of my all-time favorite movies, and I, I'm almost ashamed to just say the title, because it's like it's this movie called Once. Like, what? Okay. It's like yeah, it doesn't sound good at all, but it's amazing, and. Uh, <laughs> It, it's uh yeah once I, and and I, I i typed it in and and when i typed it into uh to imdb i got everything everywhere all at once once upon a time in hollywood the tv show once upon a time once upon a time in america once upon a time in the west once upon a time in mexico for some reason borat subsequent movie film popped up before the movie actually called once the oscar um, winning movie yeah yeah oscar winning movie um, and if I were to come up with an alternate title, um, what any of the other songs, cause they chose the worst song in the movie, right? <laughs> they, they, they really did. They really did. Um, I'm, I, so I'm going to go with broken hearted Hoover fixer sucker guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the title that's, of the movie. That's beautiful. <laughs> I disagreed with pretty much everything you said leading up to that, except that, that, except that, that that's why, that's why the suggestion part was the good part. Okay. Zach, number one. Okay. Um, so, uh, my number one is a movie. I don't know if it's thrice approved, but it's the first movie I thought of when Todd announced this, uh, interesting idea for a power ranking. And it is, uh, the classic comedy, uh, Neighbors with Seth Rogen and James Franco. Mm -hmm. um, now, the reason why I have it number one, it's for, first of all, it's for a couple reasons. 
I always like to show a short film in my uh, film classes with high schoolers called Neighbors. And when I say, it's a Norman McLaren Neighbors. And when I say I'm about to show you a film called Neighbors, I'm not so much anymore, but about five years ago, they were all like, yeah, Seth Rogen. And it's not. It's a, uh, it's a stop motion short Canadian movie from the early 50s with Cold War anxiety. Great short film. Watch it on YouTube. My other problem with Neighbors, well, the reason it's not a problem, the reason I have it, number one, is... Even when I saw the movie, I knew what the title should have been, which is, in my mind, so much better than Neighbors. And that title is Keep It Down. Tell me that's not a better title. That is a better title. I like that. Thank you. Keep it down. Keep it down. Keep it down. That's that's a perfect title for that movie. Yeah, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. Now, Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising, more memorable title but an awful movie. <laughs> True. Have either uh, of you guys seen the Norman McLaren Neighbors? Cold War no. Anxiety? I just looked up. It, was, it won an Oscar and was nominated for another. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's only it's only nine minutes long. You guys should watch it. it it's amazing. It's, it's intense. It is an intense nine-minute movie from Canada from the 50s that's sort of animated. It, it's It's pretty wild. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's uh, count us down five to one, and then uh, and then do some honorable mentions. So, Todd, lead us off. Number five, The New World. Number four, Edge of Tomorrow. Number three, Friends with Money. Number two, Unbroken. And number one, The Father. And I have number five, Sing. Number four, Moon. Number three, Big. Number two, Toy Story. And number one, Once. Zach. Number five, The Tale. Number four, Wild. Number three, Diane. Number two, Run and Searching. And number one, Neighbors. All right, Todd, honorable mentions. Uh, so I have a, a decent amount. Uh, I, I wrote down No Time to Die. Because, I mean, I think it's probably the worst Bond title in, like, a long time. Since Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I mean that, that's a. I mean that's a bad title. I don't know if it's bland. Those are oh, that's true. It's words. not bland. Though, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, no time to die is just so it's nothing. Uh, monster. I, I I never really understood why it was actually yeah. called Monster. The Adjustment Bureau is a terrible title. I mean, it's super bland. They're in they're they're long words, but I don't really understand why it's called that. Um, there was a movie Lawless, which was um, the Shia LaBeouf like. Um, prohibition movie and that's a terrible title especially because the book was called the wettest county in the world which i think is way cooler a few good men is it is a weird title because it doesn't really fall like make a whole lot of sense baby driver it sounds like a sequel to boss baby uh instant family is not a good title i i i, I don't know how title. i actually instant family is a terrible title the cowboys um the john wayne movie is a really good movie it's a really that's a, as lazy of a title you're going to get. All of the Dirty Harry sequels have bad titles. Come to the Stable is a really bland <laughs> title. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Army of Darkness, which is the last Evil Dead movie, especially because originally it was like a joke that it was going to be called Medieval Dead, but that is like a hundred times better title than Army of Darkness. All right. I've got I've got a long list of uh, honorable mentions I want to go over here. The one I really want to put on my list is called Worth. It's a it came out last year and it's a it's a movie about um, post 9/11 about uh, 
the fight to see what kind of uh, compensation the government was going to give those the families that had died. I'm but worth, that. worth is just a it's Michael Keaton, Stanley Tucci. It's a really good movie, but it's a weird title. Um, so then the other ones I've got Lamb and Pig, Old First Man is about as bland as you get. Uh, room. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised Todd never said Blue Story because that's a boring <laughs> title. Yeah, um, I thought about it, but I didn't really want to say it. I said Brave already. The Game. Um, the Game. Yeah. Crash is a boring title. Signs. This one would qualify for Todd's list because it's an amazing movie and you can never remember the title to it. And that's Side Effects, the Steven Soderbergh oh, movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I couldn't. I can't remember the name of that movie. Yeah. That's... Then, uh, of course. What about I... the other? What about the other Soderbergh movie at the time? What was the one with Gina Carano? I, I never oh, remember. Haywire. That, Haywire. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great that's one. That's perfect. awesome. <laughs> but is that a good movie though? It is. It is, it a, is good a good movie. movie. It's a terrible yeah, title. <laughs> Uh, of course, Flight, which I just watched. Uh, one more Pixar movie, Up. Uh, and then I've got Shine, the uh, Best Picture nominated <laughs> movie with Jeffrey Rush. And Kids. Kids. Yep. Those those are the honorable mentions I have. I, I had a few more written down, but those, those are the main ones. Zach, what do you got? I only have two because I'm running out of movies and I'm, I'm, I don't want to say my Adam picks. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go with The Debt, the Jessica Chastain movie, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, which I think was a remake. Yeah. yeah. And then I just thought of this one. I don't know how it, it I would put it in my top five if I could go back in time. The Irishman um, was originally based on a book called I Heard You Paint Houses. Now, The Irishman's not a terrible title, but I Heard You Paint Houses is so much better. That's a great title. Mm -hmm. And it even have the title card says, I heard you paint houses in it, which always confused me as well. All right. Time to predict Adam's list. Todd, what do you got? I have number five, Army of Darkness. Number four, Room. Number three, Flags of Our Fathers. Number two, The Shawshank Redemption. And number one, Edge of Tomorrow. I've got number five, Heat. Number four, Alien. Number three, the thing. Well, the thing is a good one. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's a it's as generic as you possibly yeah. could have. Number two, drive, and number one, the red shoes. <laughs> I don't know how you could possibly say the Shawshank Redemption is a is a boring title, but I agree. I don't know what well, because, because it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. That's one of the most unique and eccentric. It should titles be called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, like the book that was, was called. The book. Yeah, well, uh, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. It should have been something different because I mean, I, I don't know. Title. Nobody's it have been named anything else. Nobody hears oh. that and is like, "Oh, I need to go see that" because you don't know what the hell it's about. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, number five for Adam's list, I have Daybreakers, which is a movie I've never heard of. I just randomly <laughs> put it on our website and gave it movie. three stars. Number four, Soul. Number three, The Witch. Number two, The Nice Guys. And number one, Marriage Story. Well, that's a good call. That is a bland title. All right. Adam's list. I honestly think he didn't get the memo that they had to be good movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told him that. Yeah, though. it's confusing. Right. Honorable mentions. How do you know? A, a classic. room with a view. Little Fockers, <laughs> Operation Dumbo Drop. That's a great and title. The Town. 
which I thought about. I, th I thought about that one. I don't think uh, he understands this category. I don't think he does. Uh, number five. Quick, do it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. Number five, Star Wars: The Holiday Special. Okay. Number four, Jaws 3D. Number three is possibly the best one, or no, it's one of the best ones he's got on here. The Pacifier. That's a great movie. Vin it's, Diesel, it's, right? It's a it's it's a great addition to the list. I'll say that. Number two, Quantum of Solace. And number one, The Happening. Adam's losing his point. Adam's losing his point. Is that all we're doing? Uh, do none of us get a point, but Adam loses his. I think that think that <laughs> yeah. is what we're doing. I, I don't know. I did mention Quantum of Solace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I mentioned Bond before. Because you mentioned Bond. <laughs> Terry also gave thumbs up to the Shyamalan movie. Old. I, I, I did give a thumbs up to old. I've never but seen I the thumbs up to the happening. I like the happening. I, I gave it three stars. All right. Zach gets to pick the next category because he likes the happening. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he I mentions the holiday like special it, more than Adam. Ironically, but <laughs> it's actually not a bad movie. Oh, let's see here. I'm going to see. Let me let me look up here. Did Adam give a thumbs up? How do you up not have that? Marriage Story on that list? That, that was a that, that was, was a my, great that was call. My, that I thought Edge of Tomorrow was a guarantee to be his number one. Yeah, Adam yeah. gave The Happening one star, and Zach gave it three. So the fact that Adam's number one, the only one that gave it a thumbs up, is yeah, Zach. I like it. So Adam loses his point, but Zach gets to pick the next category. That's what we're going okay. To. So I'm stuck at 42, Zach has 26, Terry has 25, and Adam is at zero. Yes. Wipe it clean. I award you no points. And make that was horrible. Had he picked the Shawshank Redemption, a great title, it would have been better than those five. Because that's actually a good movie. Instead, he has The Pacifier, which is classic. <laughs> The Did Red Shoes, like the that's a boring title. That's a bland title. I have no idea. I mean, he gave his number one one star, so I, I the, the odds are not good. Okay, let's get let's move on from this. Trivia time. Are you ready? Well, let's hope so. Oh, I forgot about this. John Boyd is a slap in the face. This is going downhill quick. Trivia. Time to report on what we watched. And Zach won last time, so he got to assign us stuff to watch. So I think I'm going to start on this one. And uh, Zach had me watch uh, an all-time favorite of both of you guys. And that is Au Revoir Les Enfants, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, it, it threw me off because it actually is listed now on IMDb as Goodbye Children. It's not That's a actually, very bland title. Uh, that is a, or very, uh, that should have a much been, better title. It should have been. I mean, just <laughs> the fact that it's French. I mean, that's of course that's really all it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, yeah, you both have it. Number one in 1987. It's number 36 on Zach's top 100. Uh, it is a story of a uh, of a school in France that uh during world war ii that decides to harbor a couple jewish boys and uh it's a charter or a boarding school so um they just kind of assimilate in and really it's about the relationship between uh two main boys julian and jean 
who uh, Jean is a is a Jew. Julian is kind of trying to find himself a little bit. He uh, he initially doesn't like him because that's the cool thing to do, and then realizes he's kind of a cool kid. Um, it is it, it's a it's a fascinating movie. It's a powerful movie. It's a very moving movie. I've got it at three and a half stars. It's a uh, it's very very good. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've seen other movies kind of, it, it feels like it, it, I don't know. It, it, it was a very, very good movie, but it didn't move me the way I felt it should have, which is keeping it from being a four star movie. I don't know if it's just like the mood I was in when I was watching it or what, but uh, it was, it was very good. Especially like the last half hour is, is brilliant as, uh, as everything starts to come crumbling down. Um, so yeah, three and a half stars, which I think puts it as my number two of nineteen eighty-seven, but be, behind the Last Emperor. So yeah, you know, there's nothing deviant about it. There's it, it's very straightforward. It's Louis Mill's autobiographical movie because he was the Julian character in real life, and this oh is wow, based I on didn't a, know that on a real life instance. Well, I mean, maybe maybe that's part of why I like the movie is that I've I've read a lot about. I mean. This has been a movie I, I saw it when I was maybe 13 or 14 years old. I always, always loved it. Now, it is number 36 on my list. I don't know, honestly, if it, if it deserves to be ranked that high. I can actually sort of understand in a way where you're coming from, Terry. I, like I said, there's nothing deviant about it. There's nothing, like, subversive about it. It's really straightforward. And obviously, it's powerful. It's based on the director's real, true experiences. Yeah. Maybe you could say it's a little sanitized at times. I would want to go back and rewatch it. I just know that I think when I was looking, it's on HBO Max, right? I think that's part, partly where yep. I saw it. I think it's it's an essential movie that anybody should watch, um, and it's a, one of the great, but one of the best French movies of the 1980s. Interestingly enough, you know, Tarantino just did a podcast about uh, 1987 movies was not mentioned, and yet this is the movie that inspired him to name his first film Reservoir Dogs because he saw it at Video Archives, the, the the VHS copy, and could never pronounce the title. And he thought it looked like Reservoir Dogs, or at least Reservoir. Wow, I did not know that. But you didn't know funny. that. The Reservoir movie, yeah. Learn something new every day. <laughs> that that's, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, in some ways, it is a very Zach movie in the fact that nothing really happens throughout the movie. Like, the boys yeah, exist. They, they, they sh- see some. They see some pigs. I remember. They watch a they Chaplin movie. They do watch a Chaplin movie. Yep. But see, what I like about it. This is what I like about it. Is it, it lulls you into that sense of normalcy, especially for the main character who is mm-hmm. not Jewish. Sure. And then little things start happening. Like I remember, it's been a long time since I've seen, but like little anti-Semitic episodes start happening. And mm-hmm. it gets bigger and bigger. And then gradually you start hearing a little bit more about Hitler. You start hearing a little bit more about Jews, which obviously this kid has never met a Jew. And that to me is interesting. I like movies about coming of age where you realize that the world is a, is a messed up place. That's really a Zach theme in, in all movies. And, and this is a very good movie. And I just remember first seeing it and having how could you not know that wasn't autobiographical because he says at the end in the voiceover that this was based on my own life um i just remember being incredibly moved by that, that he never that says a... he never says that but he okay. there, i mean there, I there's exactly like a little there's like a little epilogue of uh 40 years later i he, i still remember that day but, but it, yeah. ne- it never it never gives away the fact that it is something that was and what i what i love about actually, it too in in a, in a way it's a little bit like atonement it's like it's a better movie than Tillman, but it's about an innocuous, incidental, unintentional act that this child mm. has. 
yeah. that has huge repercussions that he couldn't possibly recognize or realize or should have to realize it was it's unfair to place that burden on on a kid yeah i think that's fascinating and uh maybe it's more again more fascinating to think about it in in the context of louis mal's life um but i think you know and he was a great director i pretty much love all of his movies kind of didn't sort of an unadorned director in many ways but uh i just i thought that was really fascinating and unique not not yeah. the not the kind of movie you always get about World War II and the Holocaust. It's sort of it's a different perspective. It's true. But I'm glad you saw it. And I'm glad you liked it. Mm -hmm. Although it's an insult that you gave Vengeance a half star higher. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with a title like Overlays on Fall, much better than Vengeance. Every movie well, but, could be called but Vengeance, goodbye children. Well, nah. that's not. I would never call it goodbye children. I know. I know. I wouldn't either. Todd, what did you watch? Uh, so Zach gave me a choice of things to watch. I chose the one that he said I would like the most. It's available on Hoopla. It's called Normal Life. Yes, that's the one I wanted you to watch. Okay, by John Good. McNaughton from 1996. Yes. And it stars Ashley Judd. She plays Pam Anderson. As Pam Zach Anderson. said, not that Pam Anderson. Um, <laughs> she's a drug addict, and she uh, inadvertently meets Chris, played by Luke Perry, who's a by-the-book cop, and they kind of fall in love, and they decide that the only way they can really provide for one another is to, uh, and to maintain the excitement of their love, is to rob banks. And so he uses his knowledge as a cop, and she uses her charm and spontaneity to make it work. Then it's played for fun at times, but uh, it's a very 90s indie drama at the same time. It doesn't really feel like an Ashley Judd movie. Like, she honestly kind of looks with her blonde hair like Martha Plimpton. I think that would have been like a more, like, apt casting for this after just a little off but uh, i'm not really familiar with luke perry I, I don't know him in anything other than once upon a time in hollywood but he underplays his character that in a way that reminded me of sean hattesey like this would have been a total sean hattesey movie like 10 years later i think zach said this should have started nicholas cage and angelina jolie yes. but um true uh, true romance is a relative of this movie uh m more than like natural born killers or anything like that it's depressing but it's also kind of a banger like the, these like i love these kind of 90s movies the the romance is kind of real even though it's a really extreme plot there's a definite modern day bonnie and clyde type of ending to this movie which i guess is the og in this genre uh it, it's a it's a good movie i'm giving it three stars yeah so okay i saw this movie the same day i saw todd's number one movie of last year the worst person in the world and i think i even mentioned it on that podcast episode and I, there, there's a strange relationship between those two movies because I liked this movie more than The Worst Person in the World. And it's the kind of movie that I like more than movies like The Worst Person in the World. And that isn't the way I used to be. I think I used to prefer intellectual, cold, you know, almost uh, uh, esoteric European movies. But man, this movie is so freaking good. Like Ashley Judd is crazy in this movie when she is wielding that knife. And like a, this suicidal rage at Luke Perry, uh, you can feel that anger and that blood boiling like drama that you could not feel at all in the worst person in the world. So it's unfair. It's it's unfair to to uh, associate those movies. But I just I totally dug this movie. I love the '90s vibe. It's, it's from the director of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. You can feel that a little bit. It's a Chicago set movie based on a true story. And this movie goes in crazy directions. Like he opens up a bookstore at the end of the movie. Like what? I, I love 
mismatched couples. You know, I, I love like the, another one I can think of is White Palace with with, with uh, James Spader and, and Susan Sarandon. I love when people are so drawn together, but are so opposites that it just causes chaos in their lives. And these two people desperately love each other and they want to kill each other. And that is it leaves you on the edge of your seat. And it's just, I don't, I don't know why this movie, it, it, there's some backstory to it. Interesting Wikipedia page. It, uh, New Line didn't like it with test screen audiences. I think they tried to put it on cable, but it didn't really work there. I think this is a lost 90s classic. And I kind of love this movie. I kind of haven't stopped thinking about it since I watched it about six months ago. And you gave it three stars. I think it deserves, it's probably not as great as I'm selling it, but I just remember in the moment, really, Digging in, it's probably more of a three and a half star movie upon retrospect. I'm I'm impressed that you actually sought it out. It's it's a movie that that's very hard to find. It's on what's it called again? What's it called? Normal it's a terrible life. title. Great I was say, terrible <laughs> title. Yep, yep, it's a, that's awful. It's a great a great horrible title. Yep. It's the All right. Bad idea we have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, tell us what we're doing for trivia. Okay, we're going to do something weird and unique, so just get ready. That's what happens when I control trivia oh, after man. a few drinks. So, my dad bought me a book for my birthday a while ago called The Ultimate Book of Sports Movies. This is the kind of shit that my dad gets me for my birthday. I'm sure he found it for $3 at the used bookstore. Like, I'm 14 years old and still read this kind of stuff. But, hey, I enjoy it. So, this movie has 100 sports movies ranked. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to make this interesting, okay? We're going to go around and you're going to nominate a movie. Now, if the movie is on the top 100 list, you get a point. If it's not on the top 100 list, you lose a point. Then when you name the movie, you have to name where you think it is on the top 100 list. Now, I don't really know anything about these authors. It's I will say it's a you know, it's a sports movie. I mean, how many sports movies are there, right? Oh, so, wow. if Terry says Hoosiers, is the 10th is number 10 on the list todd will get a chance to respond to that and whoever is closer in terms of properly ranking where the movie is will get a point do we do we get do we get to hear if we were right or not of it being on the list before uh yes before we okay okay yes yes now if you were to how uh, many try how many wrong answers do we get or how long are we doing this you you each get five Five wrong answers? No, five, 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 five submissions. Kids, five submissions, right. Now, if you name the movie... Now, I'm going to tell so you... So are you doing, like, if you get closer, you get that you get many point. points or something? Like, you get... Or what? No. Like, you want to have the least no less amount of points? So you, get, so you get a point if your nomination is on the list. Right. You get And, an and whoever's point. closest gets another point. And okay. you get three points if you are exactly right where it ranks on the list. Ooh. So... so Three additional points, or just like you can earn up to three points for that. You one can submission. earn up to three points for that pick because then we won't we won't have it guessed. Okay. Now, can that, we get the uh, the uh, copyright the date of the book? Uh, <laughs> two uh, thousand fifteen. Okay. Okay. A Hallmark book. Interestingly. Hallmark book. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's start with Terry. Terry, do you have a film that you'd like to nominate? Rocky. Okay. Rocky is on the list. 
So you will automatically get one point. Um, where, where do you think it ranks on the list? Five. Okay, Todd, where do you think it ranks? Two. Todd gets the point. It is actually the number one movie. Oh, man. So Todd gets a point for being closer, but Terry gets a point for appearing on the list. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, Todd, your turn to nominate. Um, Raging Bull. Okay, Raging Bull is on the list, so you, you get at least one point for that. And where do you think it ranks? I'm going to say six. Okay, and Terry, what do you say? Seven. Todd gets an additional point Damn. because it ranks number three. So the score is now three to one. Todd leads. Terry, it is your turn to nominate a movie. Caddyshack. Caddyshack does appear on the list. Where do you think it ranks? This is a top 100, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go 56. Okay. Todd, what do you say? I'm going to say 35. All right. So Terry gets one point for Caddyshack being on the list. Todd is closer. So Todd gets a point. It is number nine. Holy cow. Okay. Yes. Somehow these authors think Caddyshack is the ninth best sports movie ever made. Uh, no comment. All right, Todd, back to you. I'm going to say Jerry Maguire. Okay, Jerry Maguire. Is, is that on the list? Jerry Maguire is on the list. Okay, I'm going to say that's... Uh, Number 48. Okay, Terry, what do you say? 25. So Todd gets a point because Jerry Maguire is on the list. It is number 29. So Terry gets a point for being closer. So the score is now Todd has five. Terry has three. We're moving on to your third pick, Terry. What year was this book again? Uh, 2015. 2015. Okay. Feel the dreams. Field of Dreams. Hold on, let me check. Uh, that is on the list, believe it or not. And what? where do you think it ranks? Ten. Okay. Nine. Okay. Uh, well, I already said what number nine was, which was Caddyshack. Um, <laughs> Field of Dreams is number 11. Oh! We're both pretty close. But Terry gets two points. Oh, man. Because he man. was a little bit closer. So it's tied now. High game. Five, five to five. All right, Todd, your turn. Um, Rocky 2. <laughs> Rocky 2. Is it on the list? It's not on the list. Oh, Oh, that means he loses a point, so right? You lose a point. You go so down. So why don't you say that? To four points. What do you mean? <laughs> you didn't, you weren't going to say that. <laughs> oh, I what? No, I. No, I. Well, how could how could Terry make a guess if it wasn't on the list? Yeah, no, no. He he said he said the initial he would say if it was on the list or not first before we gave any guesses or anything. Right. And you didn't say anything. The same thing you did with Jerry Maguire. What? I know it wasn't. It's not on the list, so you lose a point. 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's, I know. It's five four Terry. Yeah, I know. You just didn't. Re- you just didn't say that when I, I said. Had to, oh, I had to look it up. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I was looking at the list. Sorry. I'll clarify next time. All right, okay, Terry. Back to you. The natural. The natural. Okay, give me a second. Apologize for that confusion. The natural is on the list, so Terry will get at least one point. Terry, where do you think it ranks? Twenty. Okay, Todd. Three. Okay, Terry gets the point, but Todd is closer. It is actually number four on this list. So it's still a very close game. Todd, uh, it is six to five, Terry leads. Todd, it is your pick. Bull Durham. Bull Durham, I think that's on here. Let me double check. Uh, Yes, Bull Durham is on the list. I'm going to say number 15. Okay. Seven. Todd gets one point. Terry gets another. It is number five. We're getting close. I feel like one of you is going to hit the right number. How many more do we have? Uh, This is our last round, isn't it? Todd, you have two more. Terry has one more. No, no, no. Todd's guessed four. I've guessed four. Oh, okay. Yep, you're right. Sorry. So what's the score? The score is Terry has seven. Todd has six. All right, last pick. Make a count. How am I losing? Because, because you lost, lost a point. A point Rocky Rocky I know, but I beat you like on one on two of yours and one of mine. I don't know. I think the scoring. Uh, that's, that's what this has been. It's it's yeah. Are you um, disputing my my scoring? Yes. Credentials? I think I'm at least up by two. I don't care if I lost. But you a lost point or not. a point. You it can't. doesn't matter. I have. I have. Seven to six, Terry leading. I was we, at we, four, will, we will go back to, to what the listeners say. I'm going to go keep track I'm going to go chariots of fire. Terry wasn't keeping track either. I was not keeping track. Chariot, I'm, 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 I'm positive right. that I'm winning, though. I'm, I know I'm right. Uh, chariots of fire is on the list. Terry gets at least one point for it. Terry, where do you think it ranks? 35. Okay, Todd? 36. All right, Terry gets two points because it is on the list and it is actually number 17. So that's the first time that's happened. I don't know how he's up by three now. It's not the first time it's happened. It is possible for you to come back, though. You just need to get the film. Oh, and you have to get it right on the button. It's possible. So, Todd, do you have a miracle left in you? What is your final film? I guess I'll say miracle and say number 100. <laughs> okay, you're going with miracle. Miracle is on the list. Uh, I'm not going to say which which one it is, what number it is right now. Terry, what what do you what do you say? What number? He said it was number 100. Right. Uh, well, I'd be dumb to say anything but 99. <laughs> so you each get a point. Todd gets one point. Uh, Terry is technically closer. It is number 16. What's number 100? Number 100 is the fish that saved Pittsburgh. (laughs) I mean, if you have to come up with a list of 100 100 sports movies, you got to dig pretty deep. Terry wins 10 to 7. Go back and listen to the tapes. I I did the scoring correctly. Uh, The others from the top 10, no one mentioned Hoosiers, which is amazing. That's Well, that's because you used it as the example. I felt like it was kind of cheating. Slapshot is six. The Longest Yard is seven. The Wrestler, number eight. North Dallas, 40, number 10. I don't know about that. 
Million Dollar Baby number 12, Pride of the Yankees 13, Hoop Dreams 14, Brian Song featuring the late great Jimmy Kahn number 15. All right. A couple of interesting, a couple of just real fast other interesting ones. Yeah, yeah. Best in show number 86. Where was the League of Their Own? Uh, League of Their Own. Uh, I think that was on here. Let me double check. It had to be. Um, Number 22. What about uh, Remember the Titans? Remember the Titans. Number 19. Sugar, number 55. Ooh. I also wrote down Blue Chips. Was Blue Chips on the list? I think Blue Chips was on the list. (laughs) Uh, It is number 68. Yeah, there we go. I thought about throwing out just a random one like that to see who could figure out where in the bottom half of the top 100 it was at. Number 48, Rounders. Oh, nice. How many Rocky movies were on the list? No, just just Rocky 1. That's insane. The fish that saved Pittsburgh beat out Rocky <laughs> 2, 3, 4? Yes. Were there, that, that means there were no sequels. Uh, no, I'm not seeing any sequels on here. The color was of money's it? not on there. Uh, that might oh. be. That's a good guess. Uh, no, color of money is not on the list. Murder ball is number forty-three. What about like uh the 90, Sandlot? Uh, the Sandlot is number eighty-two. Lagan, Once Upon Time in India, number ninety-three. Nice. I say they had some weird ones. I kind of liked that. They definitely did some unconventional picks. I'm searching for Bobby Fisher number yeah, 80. Blue Crush. Blue Crush? I I don't think so. I say that because that's another one of those uh, classic before the movie things that we have to watch every week where Maria Menounos is quizzing that one guy on. Oh, yeah. The guy who doesn't know where. You don't know I, Tanya? And she says, you don't know Blue Crush? <laughs> Everybody knows Blue Crush and I, Tanya. Yeah. That kid's an idiot. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Quote of the daytime. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. I won, so I got to go first. My quote comes from Vengeance. And uh, it is uh, spoken by Ashton Kutcher's character, who I think he like he's like supporting actor level in like Oscar nomination. Yeah, I feel like. Ashton Kutcher and Vengeance is kind of like Matthew McConaughey and Magic Mike. Like, this is like a a coming out party in like a different style than he's ever been in before. Anyways, my quote is, um, nobody writes anything. All we do is translate. I thought that was was a good line. Very deep. It was very deep. All right, Zach, what do you got? Uh, My line comes from normal people. No, normal life. I can't even get the title right. (laughs) Um... And it is, uh, I don't really remember when this line is said. I'm assuming it's asked of the two main characters because they get married in this movie. And I think it's one of their friends. And he says, we never see you anymore. What is it, what is it with you two? Still in your honeymoon? Too f-ing busy or too busy f-ing? That's a good line. That should be used in more movies. And I'm sorry that you have to edit that out, Terry. That should have been the title of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd, wrap us up. Uh, I have two quotes. One of them is from Polly Cicero, and he just says, Vinny, don't put too many onions in the sauce, which is just good good advice. Yeah. And the other one comes from The Father, which Anthony Hopkins says, 
I feel as if I'm losing my leaves. The branches and the wind and the rain, I don't know what's happening anymore. And that's describes me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that describes Adam doing power rankings. <laughs> that uh, he told me he was struggling. He was struggling with his power rankings. And he told me yet like showed earlier today or maybe it was yesterday, I don't know, that he hadn't even thought about it yet. So I feel like the line don't put too many onions in the sauce should also be in the regal commercial. <laughs> Probably. It should be. It should be. Not it's random you guys. enough. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we'll bring this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back at you next week with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.